Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good right. lad. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast with me, all my David, Kieran Murphy. Hello there, all. And Ken Early. Hey, how are you doing? Pretty good. Big news to start the show, guys. The okay. Armagh Senior Football Team. The Armagh Senior Football Team okay. has broken its silence. For roughly the seventh time since the start of this supposed media band manager, Paul Grimley, has given an interview to the Belfast Telegraph in which he has invoked his basic human right to speak yep. to whom he chooses. It's on the UN charter. It is, yeah. Uh, GA managers are, uh, are free to talk to as many or as few uh, GA journalists as they like. So far during this apparent media ban, Grimley has spoken to the Newry Democrat. He talked to Billy Joe Padden on News Talk, but apparently made clear that this was only because he had uh, managed mm. Billy, Joe, Billy Joe Padden and played for Armagh. Now to the Belfast Telegraph. His selector, Peter McDonnell, has been in the Gaelic Life newspaper and on Armagh TV. Man of the match last week, Stephen Campbell, did his interview with Sky, mm. but was told by Grimley, Grimley said this today, to focus on himself and not on the team. Mm-hmm. Kevin Dias turned up for an event to promote the match against Meath but refused to do interviews only did photographs and just yesterday a media briefing which had been called for Dundalk was cancelled this is all starting to get a little bit silly again well it sounds like a media onslaught <laughs> more than media ban it's like Will Farrell pre Agrabad 2 this is basically the level of media onslaught we're talking about here why are they uh, why are these guys talking so much well, they have to explain why they're not talking. Do they not know? Do they not realise that in this life, it's actions, not words, that count? <laughs> it is the worst organised media bad I've I've ever come across. Grimley did say that it's not. It did categorise it as not being a media ban today. Mm. Uh, he did, as I said, he said we'll talk to everyone. He also makes specific points regarding unnamed journalists say, saying very specific things. So yeah, and the, the stuff they're saying could be taken as. Maybe disrespectful. He's taking it as disrespectful towards our man, towards their county mm. board, towards our management. But why not just take it up with those journalists yeah. and have it out with them and maybe have a chat and see what's going on there rather than. Their juvenile behaviour is such that I'm just going to not talk to them and ignore them completely. It's not really. It's, it's, it's a very, very strange. And well, I mean, I think people are interested only because it's funny. I mean, when media people give out about media bans, like, you know, no one really. I don't think anyone really cares about that massively. Hmm. But when it's as funny as a media ban, 
that's taking place across four different national newspapers and three mm. different TV channels and radio stations then I think it's probably something we can poke fun at Murph your favourite goal of last weekend was Tom Flynn for Galway but that loses a mark or two for the abject defending I'm going for Emmett Bolton's screamer into the top corner against Monaghan and that's yeah. only in part because we have him on the show today in part yeah. now in fairness I do want to say that I have suggested already that Vinnie Corey's goal while also a top of the uh, top corner screamer may have been uh, utter fluke and uh, we don't have Vinnie Corey on the show today so Emmett Bolton gets my vote also he also he scored two goals and a point and was also black carded I don't know if you remember his reaction to the black card was one of complete he was really really shocked and angry but I mm. couldn't quite make out whether or not whether that was with the ref for making the decision with himself or just with the overall situation he's probably thinking I'm going for a hat-trick here yeah. and I'm, I, I, technically I'm supposed to be a defender um, but I'm going for a hat-trick and I'm going to see us through he was playing really well and ended yeah. up getting put off at a bad time. Uh, he's a really good guy to talk to generally. So yeah, I was talking to Oshin McConville actually about uh, black cards and Oshin reckons the one thing that referees need to start doing as a matter of extreme urgency is to stop apologising to players who they've just given a black card Have to. Have they been doing that? Oh, all the time. It's, you know, they, they've kind of got this face on, you know, they kind of shrug <laughs> their shoulders and it's like, well, I'm sorry, but you know, I'm going to have to give you this black card. I mean, it's the rule. So you shouldn't really be apologising to a player for enforcing a rule that the players are aware of, after all. And it just that just gets annoying. It's as if, well, referee, you at least show some sort of faith and, you know, uh, belief in this rule, even if no one else is. Please, you referee, do that. By the way, Karen, clang. Name drop. Oshin McConville. Yeah. <laughs> Oshin McConville is the yeah. of my name dropping ability. If that's so, then fair enough. The All-Ireland Hurling semi-final, number one, Kilkenny against Limerick, is on on Sunday. The 2007 All-Ireland final when they played, I think that one and the 2008 game against Waterford goes down as the probably the peak years of this amazing yeah. Kilkenny team. And suppo- since then, the narrative is, well, they've fallen a reasonable distance from those heights. Everyone else has caught up, etc. And yet still... We're going into this match and Kilkenny are hot favourites to make it into a final again. So I don't know how far they've necessarily fallen. We'll talk to Benny Dunn and Morris O'Brien in studio a little bit later on about that. But let's start with this. Francis Kang before Briggs will have a go. Briggs the first tackle. Now that was the support. She gets it from Alison Miller. Miller the wide outside. Miller goes for the try line. It's a brilliant try for the Irish. But there it is. Ireland have achieved the unthinkable. Look, it's huge. Like, it's a team we respect. We've watched. We've probably learned a lot from over the years. Uh, they're the top of the world. That's where we said we wanted to be. We're not there yet. This is only step two of the process, but we're on the right track. Yeah, let's go over to Marcusi, where the Irish team is based, and talk to centre Lynn Cantwell. Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing great. How are you doing? Still on a bit of a high? <laughs> oh, ridiculous. That was the first time I actually just listened to some of it back there. That's amazing. Oh, man. The, uh, I mean, the whole, I don't know what you've done since then. I think you had a rest day yesterday, well-deserved rest day yesterday. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we just had a rest day yesterday. Like, after the game, we went straight into all our recovery strategies and stuff, which was quite useful. I think we had to be, you know, kind of pulled into the ice bath and given our recovery shakes and stuff because everybody was just sitting there going, oh, my God, what just happened, you know? And then yesterday, we just left and met family and friends and stuff so it's back to business today yeah it was incredible watching it then because I, I guess we're all conditioned to uh, certainly watching the men's team to New Zealand always coming back and um, I guess we're, when we're an underdog in any way I know you guys didn't consider yourselves as underdogs but th- there's always a nagging feeling well something's gonna go wrong here but it didn't seem like the, the team thought that way at all 
that's the way it was on to be honest you know we we had we had our strategy we had our game plan and we very much so believed in it and and the boys have been analyzing the black friends to be fair it's only been for the three days pre it and before that there was, was the usa we weren't necessarily focusing on them completely we were taking every single game as it came but um, we had our analysis done. We knew what they um, were to throw at us. We knew there was always three options and everything that they do throw at us. So obviously you just focus on, on yourselves and reacting to what's in front of you. Um, but, you know, we were very confident in, in what we could bring to the game. And then we controlled the game as much as we possibly could. And, and we broke it down into sections according to what they were doing. And um, so we we kind of were on top of it as much as we possibly could be. So we're delighted with it. There's also the, um, you talk about the, t- the tactical, technical side of it there. There's the emotional side as well. I read you talk to Gavin Cominsky in the Irish Times today uh, about facing down their hacker and uh, the sort of feeling that was going through you guys at that stage. Yeah, it was funny. Well, sorry, not funny. Um, like we, 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 we lined up and we very much respectfully lined up and we didn't talk about what we were going to do. It was like, okay, we'll just line up as we would. Um, and then afterwards, we kind of all came together and looked at everybody's faces. Everybody was just like, oh my God, let's just go absolutely mental, you know? <laughs> so um, that was a good response, I, I suppose, to their hacker. Um, and then it was very much focused. I think we practice very much in training about switching on, switching off. And I think that's important in a game, especially when fatigue is going to creep in because you need to take your breaks because you can't be focused for 80 minutes. Um, and in particular, at different stages in the game, we identified what they were doing. We we're like, OK, well, I've seen this before. We've analysed this. Um, this is what we do to put the strategy in place to kind of counteract this. In particular, in the last six or seven minutes anyway, I remember looking up at the clock and I think it was 64 or not, um, 74 minutes. And we, we you know, said put the word out amongst the, the 15 on the pitch about possession and just keeping possession and trying to play the clock down and then you know four minutes came three minutes came you know Mazzy had a had a really really uh, pressure line out um, that she took really really well in the last two minutes and then um, ran down the clock for the last 10 seconds and then when Brixley kicked it out I thought there was 10 seconds left you know and I was like oh no they're going to get a line out and you know, I was saying to Joe Schmidt afterwards I, I had that little you know bad bad angel on my shoulder going no I'm not thinking about them counter-attacking it's like focus 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 but then the final whistle went and it was amazing yeah you closed it out amazingly but the, yeah. I, I I just couldn't believe how impressive uh, Fiona Cochran was after the game uh, she spoke so calmly to the interview out, out on the field and probably wasn't any more than 90 seconds after the end of the game and she refused to accept that this was bigger for you for you you guys as a team than the Grand Slam but I mean as a one-off result it's it's an extraordinary achievement yeah, no, and it very much is. So, but I, I think it does go back to the fact that that's what we've been training. Like we have been very much training. Like, girls, that's fantastic. But now that's not good enough. Okay, so let's fix that bit because I suppose there's so many variables in every skill set and in every performance that you know we can always be better and better and better. And that's always the mentality we've had from the very very start in every training session and every game. And um, so from that point of view. I suppose it's it's easier um, to be able to switch off and and kind of talk shop, um, but completely testament to see that's what she does and and that's what focuses us as well. She's fabulous at that too. So that finish, Lynn, that you referenced there, the the way the game finished. I mean, it was so impressive in that you survived this onslaught in the second half, just with incredible last ditch uh, defence, got the try. Neve Briggs kicked her kicks unbelievably well um, and then you're in a position where okay you're beating New Zealand usually a team would go into its shell in that case what was it what was the mindset in that last sort of three or four minutes because you guys finished it looked as, as though you were going for another try rather than just trying to hang on to a game yeah I think um, I think the beauty of what's happening at the moment is that there is a collective buy-in of course to what we're trying to do but everybody's taking full responsibility for their own roles um, and are 
crossing their roads with other things. So everybody's just working so hard on the pitch in every single thing, you know, so there's no weak links at all. And I think when you know that that is the case, it's easier to work towards one thing, you know. So when we when we put the word out in the last six minutes about possession, so we, we, we work on three principles, points of possession and um, position, and that's what we make our choices on as to what we do when we're going to kick or a free kick or something. And in that last six minutes, it was all just about possession. So that was, we we're all on the same page. And I think we had put that into place in the USA, but we had only got to the stage in the USA game where we could put it into place because before we probably were working on other kind of technical things in the warm-up games, you know, so we put it in place in the USA and then we had it in, obviously, the the New Zealand game. So in that last six minutes, it was very quite controlled and calm, if I'm honest. Um, And we all knew, and I suppose like any sprinter, everybody talks about running to five metres past the line so you're always wondering about extra time and so on and we honestly were, were, were working towards that same principle. Defending in, in the early stage of the second half though to still have the energy and the concentration levels later I mean were you at all concerned this might be a bit too much here we're, we're just having to put in too much to, to stay ahead of these guys? Yeah in a way but like I honestly I keep on coming back to um, kind of little micro plays and, and switching on switching off and if if I'm honest I think we, we spoke about one of the one of our strengths we spoke about and one of the things we identified in New Zealand was after 60 minutes their back starts to tire and um, that was one that was one of the things we said we're going to target so I looked at the clock about 60 minutes and brought the girls in and whatever and said okay right this is the time when we actually shine you know so it was phenomenal to even say that and reflect on it now to kind of go okay you're 60 minutes into a New Zealand game saying okay girls now this is when we come into our own so that was said as, as at, like with 20 minutes to go um, and I think as well in the second half um, they came out and they changed their game plan they spun it out wide an awful lot and again that's for us that's something that kind of we'd mentally prepared we'd analysed the videos and there's a, probably two or three times in the backline attack where they were lined up and we were defending and you could read kind of what they were going to do, you know, and I was like, I've seen this before, you know, and obviously they can do anything, um, but that gives you an awful lot of confidence because of the analysis that we'd done um, as to what they were going to do and we were prepared for it, so. You said in there that when you, you almost found it after 60 minutes, just to have that feeling of, right, this is this is our time now. I mean, for mm-hmm. you, I don't know, do you look at the younger players sometimes and think, well, you know, these guys, <laughs> I've been around for some bad days, these guys probably think that we're supposed to beat New Zealand, but it wasn't always like that for you. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and as I said before, and that's, you know, we, we obviously pulled an awful lot from the Grand Slam um, and what we gained from the Grand Slam. And one of the things we said back there was the fearlessness of the younger players, you know. Um, I think in a, in, a, in a World Cup, and definitely the kind of player profiles that we have in this in this World Cup is that we do have a lot of experienced players. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a strength of ours. Um, the fearlessness, obviously, of the younger players is fantastic. And the energy in particular in the last 10 days is going to be really, really paramount. Um, so, but I think that they, 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 they were so mature on the pitch. You know what I mean? The younger players just they did their job because it was a day to do your job really, really well and do it really, really solidly and do simple stuff really, really well. And I think they were amazing, absolutely phenomenal. Philip Doyle and the rest of the coaching team clearly put in a great plan with the input of you guys. You mentioned Joe Schmidt there that you were chatting to him. Was was that all informal or did he have? Was there any? Um, did did Joe speak to you guys in any tactical way at any stage? No, he didn't. Um, he did come in. Himself and Les came in. They um, came into our last training session and they had been at the Ireland-Wales Friendly the week before, which was so lovely for them to actually see us play and then obviously come in and say, OK, this is what I still think that you need to fine-tune. Um, and 
the timing of it was stunning really because there was just a few little triggers and a few little cues and a few little key technical things that have stuck in our mind because they're fresh in our mind that we've brought into it and I suppose as well it gives you the confidence as well that they were really impressed with what we were doing you're like girls but you can be even better by doing this and and obviously that was taken on board and they didn't I think Joe was very respectful of um, team dynamics and so on um, and he didn't have any input in the game itself but you know no doubt we were all warming up and we you know we knew that he was there and you're kind of like proud little kids going okay do we want to impress you you know because the work you've done so he was very proud of what we did The New Zealand uh, Twitter account afterwards couldn't help point out that the men's team the Irish men's team still hasn't beaten uh, beaten the All Blacks but other than that were they pretty gracious in defeat in terms of their players? Yeah they were stunning they really really were um, I've played with a few of the girls and I suppose Tanya knew a few of the girls as well and uh, they were really really good to be honest with you I think that they respected our performance too. Um, we saw, you know, I was just watching it back last night and in particular the response of the bench when our pack stood off their pack when the mall was in the corner just at the end of the first half, you know, and that was quite a, like a, a ballsy tactic to do and um, to try and counteract their mall. Um, and I think we played intelligent rugby. I think that's what New Zealanders respect. And even afterwards, when we're walking back to our families and stuff, a lot of the Kiwi fans were so gracious and so well done girls. You know, they think they just appreciate good sport, don't they? Yeah, well, hopefully. Yeah. I, don't know if they, I don't know if the men's team would necessarily if they lost <laughs> to Ireland, but we'll, that's for another day. Uh, we'll, we'll let you go because I know you have a team meeting to get to there ahead of the Kazakhstan game. But uh, just wondering in terms of your family that are over there, hear that your your sister made a timely trip to France yeah, yeah yeah so she came over from Australia so she flew in that that day that lunchtime so her eyes are hanging out of her head but she was I don't know whether that was in shock or surprise or pride <laughs> or just jet lag but it was amazing to have her there brilliant that it's all right it, it, it's okay now easy enough to get the mindset focused for the Kazakhstan match and for hopefully the rest of this tournament yeah, no, definitely. You know what? Like, yes, it was lovely, obviously, just to sleep and see people. Um, but we woke up this morning, and, every, like, bodies are sore, you know? So regardless of whether or not we um, were are happy, obviously, of what we've just done, our bodies are not going to let us. So straight away, it was like, okay, I'm in pain, right? I need to start recovering properly and get back on it. And the boys are li- literally sitting in there ready for our analysis. And Lenny's been up all night, and Greg has been phenomenal as well. They've been up analysing the game. So no doubt we'll be hit with it now for the next plan. And can you win the whole thing? Yes. Brilliant, Lynn. We'll leave it at that po- on a positive note. Great stuff. And best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Owen. See you, Kieran. Bye-bye. Well, that's great. I've become so used to interviewing sports people asking them questions like that and them saying no no I mean, we, we could it's win it's all We're about not even, Kazakhstan it's all about Kazakhstan Lynn Cantwell nice to get a firm yes from Lynn Cantwell there at the All Blacks reaction if the men were to beat them I, I pointed out to it there I should say actually I think the New Zealand players if Ireland's men's team were to beat them would actually be fine mm. seem to carry themselves well the media I'm not so sure New Zealand people in general, <laughs> I'm really unsure. You, you take everyone's the experience of the Lions tour, for example, in 2005, when you read accounts of that, it seemed to largely involve walking around, getting abused by everybody from... I think, I think Jordan Murphy said that the baggage handler, they arrived in, the baggage handler says, you guys are crap. You know, you're crap. You're, you're, I'm sorry if it's not Jordan Murphy. One of the players certainly put this down in a book. Uh, grannies, old women, everybody just telling them how useless they were. Grannies. So, Grannies. <laughs> Grannies. Okay, fair enough. Well, a lot of old women are grandmothers. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, okay, fair Cycle enough. of life, you know. Yeah. Grannies. Mm. Fair enough. And, uh, yeah, so I just I don't know what the reaction would be to Ireland's men beating New Zealand, what do you think? Uh, well, amongst grannies or amongst uh, regular or all facets of sectors of society? All sectors in New Zealand. Oh. Gentlemanly respect. 
No, I would say it would take them about three and a half seconds to say, well, it took you long enough, and then moan about the referee. They're beating New Zealand, Ken. It's such a great achievement. I think it calls for a very special response, I should say. So let me please introduce... Ken Early's World Cup Crystal Ball. Yes, it's Ken Early's Women's Rugby World Cup Crystal Ball, still with the Ness and Dormer soundtrack. For some reason. Ken, I, what do you see? I see uh, a limitless azure sky, a fiery golden orb, uh, and then a giant shamrock blotting out the golden orb. It's the son of Kazakhstan, Owen, um, <laughs> uh, that you see on the flag of Kazakhstan. And I believe, uh, looking into this crystal ball, Ireland are going to beat Kazakhstan in the next match in the Women's Rugby World Cup. <laughs> As far as you're waiting to go, you're not waiting to go as far as Lynn Cantwell. This is uh, all I can That's do. All you see, Ken. All I can do is, is look. All I can do is look in there and see what it throws up. And on this occasion, it's just telling me Ireland are going to beat Kazakhstan. You, you, can, can you so, gaze? World Cup crystal ball. We'll just wait to see if it comes true. Benny Dunn and Morris O'Brien are in studio to look at Sunday's All Ireland hurling semi-final between Limerick and Kilkenny. Lads, thanks very much for being here. No problem. On the scale of one to ten, Morris, on the hypometer, how are things in Limerick this week? I think it's the first time you could say that the hype has been reasonably kept in check. Um, so like eight and a half. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, an eight and a half. We even see uh, Liam Ahern there tweeting that uh, people are giving out to him because they're not hyping it up this time yeah. around. So <laughs> you can't you can't win from his point of view. Well, this is a notion I know. I know it certainly seems to be almost commonly accepted now that it got to them last year, the build-up to the game against Clare. I don't know if you agree with that, because I sometimes think when you get to these stages, we always have this with Mayo every year, they get mm. to a final, the fans are saying, oh, no, this year we're keeping a lid on it. But I, I often wonder what, what the point of that is. I mean, the, it doesn't really matter what the fans are doing, surely. It's what the Limerick squad is doing. This yeah, year. it's more about the squad, to, to be fair. Now, I think last year, there were Munster champions, they were coming up in a, in a real kind of a bubble, more so like, whereas this year they lost the Munster final and uh, put a little dampener on things. And I, I suppose they're looking at the Wexford game in a little bit of a different scenario where it was, yeah, really impressive performance, but didn't get tested so they're coming in here now facing Kilkenny which is a dis- different prospect to facing into Clare last year where they would have been favourites they're underdogs this year which they will be happy about being underdogs this year so I think that's what really keeping the, keeping it t- under wraps Well this might help crank it up a little bit Benny Murphy here thinks Limerick are going to win Yeah I think Limerick are going to win this game I mean Owen has been laughing at me ever since I told him this outlandish story. I wouldn't say laughing. That implies that I'm laughing at him. I just uh, your, your <laughs> bullish confidence there's no way Limerick are going to lose this gives game. you that confidence Tell me. I actually just think that they're a really, really seasoned team, and I think that if it their whole their whole hurling career basically boils down to this game, as far as I'm concerned, that like if this Kilkenny team wins or loses, I mean they have all Ireland's, you know, coming out their ears anyway. Mm. Limerick, r- unbelievably disappointed by what happened last year at the exact same stage. Uh, I think that their strengths uh, match up very well against Kilkenny's strengths, and I. I actually, I, I was really impressed by them against Wexford, and I think that there was a, an element of the reportage after that game was, well, Wexford retired, so everything we've seen doesn't count for anything. Mm. And I actually, I think that's really unfair on Limerick because you know up until, you know up until the even twenty five minutes into that game, people were saying, well, you know, Wexford are the common team here, and Limerick absolutely annihilated them that day, like mm-hmm. crushed them. And uh, I think they've got a brilliant midfield. I think the spine of the team is really, really strong. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm bullish. I am bullish. 
Yeah, no, that's a... You wrap it up there, so yeah. Your points are definitely well made. Um, for me, and I agree with a lot of what you've said, um, I think their midfield are actually really on top of their game. I think their backline in particular, the last day, while the forwards would have got all the plaudits scoring four, whatever they scored against Wexford, four twenty-six. Yeah. Uh, they got all the plaudits. Shane Dowling got a huge score the same day. For me, it was actually their backline that was really, really strong that day. Gavin O'Mahony in particular and Wayne Mack were outstanding. Uh, Seamus Hickey as well. Um, so I do I give him a big chance on Sunday for me Limerick haven't proved it to me in, in Crow Park uh, going back to that All-Ireland against Kilkenny a number of years ago where they were well beaten I was at that match it was a windy day in Crow Park they didn't show up that day they conceded 122 against Clare beaten by 7 points in the All-Ireland semi-final last year um, beaten in the Munster final this year by a very strong Cork team it has to be said 224-24 points so I am seeing improvements in the Limerick setup. But for me, they haven't proved it in Crow Park, but they are getting an opportunity uh, on Sunday, and that's a huge opportunity for them. And I think, you know, they'll be there, thereabouts, but have they done enough to, to get over the line against Kilkenny? It remains to be seen, but we'll, we'll know more uh, come Sunday evening. Mars? Yeah, look, to fair, to fair what Benny is saying, that they haven't done it in Crow Park, and, and that is very true. Um, but I, I think they have a really good chance myself. I, and I, look, while I won't be as bullish as Murph and say, yeah, they will come out and win, I think there there is merits to, the, to, to it that... They really are on form. I think losing the Munster final is probably a good thing for them now at this stage that, yeah, they kind of sorted out the couple of weaknesses that they had, um, getting Declan Hannan into the game in centre-forward. Um, I hope it'll be repeated again this day with Donald O'Grady coming back. So I'd hope to see Donald O'Grady slot into number 12 and probably drop in deep, a deep number 12 position. So I think from from that point of view, it probably, probably helped them to, to get Hannan into the game, which he's a vital cog in their, in their team. Um Another thing with yours, Morph, I don't agree that if they don't win this game, that it's it's the be all and end all for them. Like they're not an old team, mm. you know. Like you talk, you take Don Grady out of that team, it's still a reasonably young team. They're really experienced guys of Gavin O'Mahony, Wayne McNamara. Like they're still maybe they're twenty eight years of age, maybe that way, you yeah. know. Sort of they're like and, and right down then to the like the real core guys you're looking at Declan Hannon. Downs Dowling, they're all kids, really. Yeah, at this yeah stage, you do like, feel at this stage they have to make that breakthrough beaten the likes of a Kilkenny yeah. of this world and like they haven't done it in the past but now is their time you feel if they suffer another defeat on Sunday it's very hard to get back into an All-Ireland semi-final at this stage again yeah. uh, given the fact that Clare are going to come back strong next year yeah, and, and you're going to have all the top three again so like Sunday's a huge I Sunday's a huge game for Limerick um, and their time is now and but yeah. You, yeah you seem to be implying Murph that that in some way gives them a greater motivation. I would argue that Kilkenny face this every time they play a match and they would have faced it, I'm sure, when they played Limerick in All-Ireland seven or eight years ago where yeah. this is Limerick's only chance and uh, Kilkenny have All-Irelands coming out of their ears. It's never an issue for them. I, so I don't see that as being in any way yeah. an advantage in terms of motivation. Yeah, and yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the... You know, I actually think you can make an argument without that. You know, on, and on the, I th- on, and on I the think, playing squads. Yeah, what I would say is that... You know, we know what happens in Limerick. You know that there's no guarantee that next year they're going to come back as strong. You know, and maybe you know at root, the Limerick players realise that as well. You know, like we're in a good place. We've got a good manager. Where you know we're pushing on right now. You know, it doesn't. You know, if you look at, at uh, you know other counties around the around the country, you can say if they've got a good team, they'll be there for five or six years. Maybe with Limerick, and you know this is we're just going on the past twenty years, past thirty years. You know that's not the case with Limerick. You know that they that they do have a tendency to shoot themselves in the foot, even when things are going well. So, 
you know, I, th- I think maybe that plays into it as well. I they know. do, but I think Limerick Hurland in general is in a great place at the moment. I mean, you take their minor team this year, outstanding team, some outstanding individual hurlers as well. Their 21s are no longer a pushover that it might have been six or seven years ago when Tip and Cork were winning in Munster every year. So I think in general, Limerick Hurland is in a very, very good place and that's driven by the senior team and now they have the minor teams and 21s to back it up. So I think for the next, uh, you know, four or five years, Limerick are going to be there, thereabouts. But as I said, you still feel that they have to to make the breakthrough to the very uh, top tier that they need to beat the likes of Kilkenny on Sunday. Yeah, Murph talks about the spine of their team there. So I suppose if we're just talking about forgetting about motivation or, or mentality for a second, if you're looking at the players they have in Richie McCarthy, Wayne McNamara, uh, the likes of Hannon, Shane Dowling and their midfield, they have all been pretty impressive. And this is something the Munster rugby always do, is, uh, or certainly when they were succeeding, they'd always target the strong areas of the opposition and say, right, we'll take you down there and then uh, and then we'll go from there, which is, goes against what a lot of teams might do. Is that something that Limerick are capable of doing? Yeah, no, they are capable of doing it. I was actually looking at the matchups around the field and there is really some really interesting matchups. Like you look look at the midfield alone, where you say James Ryan, Paul Brown and you have Richie Hogan in the form of his life and like talks now that Michael Finley may be joining him in the middle of the field like you know and, and like if he did like what a battle it would be you know it would be amazing and you look at full forward line of Shane Dowling in great form against JJ you know like the top full back in the country over the last number of years and Jackie Turrell against Graham Gary Mulcahy who's in great form at the moment like you know and, and you interesting battles all over the field you know uh, I suppose we, we look at the guy uh, I suppose you had uh, David Breen in here not so long ago mm-hmm. and um a guy that's probably in the form of his life at the moment and you'd have to say the same about Killian Buckley in the form of his life at the moment and I think that's a real key battle like probably two understated guys in the team but I think a real key battle to where the game could lie One of the arguments for Kilkenny I would say is you mentioned Michael Fenley there and Henry Shefflin we don't know who's going to start at the moment maybe we can debate whether or not those guys should be should be back in the starting lineup at this stage but they've gotten to where they are so far this season Largely without Shefflin and almost totally without Fenley, I think certainly his, yeah, his back issue, his back has been at him all year. Does that give you the impetus? Those two guys give you if they started would surely be be almost too much for him to handle. Then, um, yes and no. I mean, they haven't started him yet this year, and we've seen what Kilkenny have done. I mean, very impressive in 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 you know against Galway both days. I know they fell asleep as was for ten minutes the first day against Galway, came back and were convincing the second end in Tullamore and against uh, Dublin in the Leinster final where it was really the match was over at half time they done that without uh, Fenley and, and uh, Henry Shefflin starting um, I think the way the game has gone now that the five substitutes that are brought on are as important as the 15 guys to start and I think managers are now holding back some of their stronger players um, in reserve to bring them on with 20 minutes to go and I think in my opinion I think Fenley and Henry Shefflin coming on in the last 20 minutes would probably give Kilkenny more by coming on than actually starting because you know they're big powerful impact players and, and they can do a job when they come on just you know just say with 20 minutes to go you know it's a level match and you you introduce those two guys on look at the impact they'd have is that a very new thing in hurting I think I think we're seeing it for the last three and four years um I definitely am Limerick my, oh, big time last year you know Limerick yeah, hugely last Limerick, year you know? Limerick as well but that's what actually teams are because the, the intensity games are so high now that lads are flat after 15, 60 minutes and, and it's just to get the job done. You need three or four or five guys to come on and, and finish it off. You also need to convince them, though, that yeah. yeah, you have to convince them that 
this is as valuable as starting a game yeah. and playing 60 or 70 minutes That's, that is it like it's a it's a very important thing of management that you have to have guys that are you know tuned in that you know they know that's their role within mm. the panel is yeah we have to introduce real like aggression real pace into this game from the 15th minute you know and really like rather than say come on and make things to keep things the same you want to be Thing, bring things up a notch when you come onto the field and it's really kind of rings true in the half forward midfield area where whereas like the real work rate of the team is, is massive and they're the areas where you need them guys coming in Brian Cody in February gave an interview to Keith Duggan and had a few interesting things to say Duggan put to him that there's this idea out there that hurling has changed essentially Claire came along and played a certain way and that was going to change things. Uh, Cody was seemed almost bemused by this. He said, I've heard it all, all this before. I've heard it for the past 15 years. It's a new way of playing the game. There may well be. I don't know everything about it, but I don't see it that way at all. I don't believe it for a second. Clare play the way they play and that's terrific. Cork play how they play and so does every other team. But hurling's hurling. It's a game of skill. It's a physical game. It's a game of vision and thought and tactics and it always has been like that. I don't see it suddenly being on a different plane. As Kenny's approach, you're smiling, Benny, because it's such a Brian Cody thing to <laughs> yeah. say. Could literally be the most Brian Cody thing yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah. But has it has it been borne out? That's what that's what Cody does, and you'd have to admire him for it. How he gets that team up for year after years is amazing. Um, I think they've changed their way a slight bit. Um, you know, back I think oh nine, ten, eleven, Kilkenny were just just dominated you physically, just around the pitch from one to fifteen. Um, in particular, around five, six, seven, eight, and nine, where did huge men around there, and ten, eleven, and twelve were all winning their own ball and and continue to do that. I think he's changed it up a small little bit. He's brought in a kind of I suppose a different profile of player in some ways um, like he's brought Richie Hogan out to midfield they're more mobile around there now they have more runners around the pitch than they used to have um, you know and he's brought that kind of element to the Kilkenny game which they didn't have previously but when it all comes back to it and we'll see, see it on Sunday his philosophy is you stand under the ball and you win your own battle and like they do that so well and I think you know you can only look up to him for it So he has tweaked things then Rob, but without making any sort of wholesale changes based on Clare Yeah I just I just think that that point is really interesting that they'll go back to what they know maybe on, on Sunday if things are going badly for them and Limerick can actually can actually match them in that area like I mean if you're looking at that half forward line that Limerick have I mean you know there's Oceans of ball winning ability there, mm. and this is and this is what I think is makes this game such an appetising prospect. That if if Kilkenny are going to win this all Ireland, they're going to have to beat Limerick, uh, and Limerick will be playing a certain style. And then what that that Brian Cody Cody quote you read out there, they're going to have to face that against Cork or Tipperary, and that they have these forwards who are ultra mobile, mm. the you know really really fluid systems. So Kilkenny are going to have to do it both ways to win the all Ireland, and I. Like that's what that's what makes mm. this season so interesting. Even though you know you might be saying, well, Kilkenny back favourites for Twindle Ireland, you know, it's, you know, plus a change, you know, whatever. But that's that's the the really appetising thing about the next month or so. Yeah, and I suppose it, like if they get to the All Ireland final, it, it's kind of that movement that kind of seems to bother them more over the last couple of years than than a probably a Limerick stand up and play your own position kind of a forward line. We saw it from Benny's team there, like the movement they had in '09. And ten, like it was when I, that was probably revolutionary. Like that they were moving all over the place, and, and it was really, really worked well for them. Like and like Cork as well last year. Like Cork beat them last year, but a very similar movement game. Like so, yeah. Like look, they, they seem to have adapted to get you get to it. Like you know, they have a little bit more mobile in the back line, having Killian Buckley back there. You know, um, so you you would say yeah, Limerick forwards probably suit them a little bit more, as in the fact that they're more stand up, win their own kind of ball for, forward line. But again 
probably better than they're better than most forward lines at doing that. They have the players to do that stand up and win their own ball around the field. So I think, yeah, they'll have to do both ways if they're to win the All Ireland. Okay, then predictions, lads. Are either of you going with the Kira Murphy? They must win. <laughs> Don't look at each other like that. <laughs> Just stand up and and, and uh, be counted. Nail your colours yeah. to the mast here. Mars. I love the way y'all look at me there. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to go with Murph. I'm going to say. Um, Thank you, Morris. I'm not, not going to be uh, quite as emphatic as you are, but yeah, I'm going to say yeah. I think Limerick have a great chance if they play it, if they play it to their form. They'll be there thereabouts, uh, and it's it, that's it. Like we know what Kilkenny will bring. Kilkenny will 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 play. Kilkenny will turn up. If Limerick turn up, play to their form, I think they have a great chance. Benny, please convince me that I'm not going insane here. But N- no, um, look for me, it's it's Kilkenny. Um, I think they have a point to prove after last year. They're hungry to get back into an All Ireland. For me, um, it's Kilkenny by four or five. Okay, fair enough. Murphy, you're all right with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, n- no one else laughed at me, so I will, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll take that as progress. On all right, lads, great stuff, Morris Benny. Thank you. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Owen. Andrew, that's the question. That's going to be answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight. Tonight. Into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight. Their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just. The bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. 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 Ooh. All right, so two of us are keeping our heads here in the white-hot heat of championship action, myself and Benny Dunn there. One of us is getting carried away with tribal loyalty, Morris, I can say that now he's gone. <laughs> and one of us, you, Murph, has just lost your mind completely. No, 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 no. Uh, I think you need to apologise to me because you laughed in my face when I first suggested this uh, via the medium of electronic mail. And now you need to apologise to me and admit that you you were wrong. Basically, even if Limerick lose on Sunday now, you still have to admit that you were wrong. Well, careful on the, all this thing that's up about me laughing in the face of the Limerick players because we've had David Breed in here. We know how, <laughs> how much they love being disrespected and love remembering <laughs> these slights and I am concerned that he might never come in here again. I don't know, Ken. Oh, McDevitt dartboard will you've, be out again. You've got the deciding vote. Kilkenny will win. There you go. That solves that one there. You know this... Well, hold on a second. I got grilled. I got hauled over the coal over the coals. I actually I saw it in the the crystal ball, but uh, I was looking for a rugby related uh, prophecy. So I saw Kilkenny. It was actually it turned out to be pretty easy. It was thirty points. <laughs> thirty <laughs> points. That crystal ball, man. Jim Gavin gets a lot of praise for his use of the benchmark for sometimes finishing yeah. with his strongest team. And it's funny that Benny was talking there and Morris about the fact that. Brian Cody's been doing this for quite a long time. Mm. Uh, probably a few hurling managers, but Cody in particular. And I know you can do it when you've got the, the players, but what Gavin gets the most praise for is how happy he keeps everybody. You never hear a peep out of anyone. They mm. just go in and they're, they're, if they have their five minutes, their ten minutes, they'll do it. So just talking there, this is actually exactly what Cody has done for quite oh, a long time. for ten years. Yeah. Um, like unbelievable minors coming up, waiting three years to get on the senior team, waiting another three years when they're in the senior team to actually make the team. I mean, this is the, that's how Cody has operated for, you know, basically all of the 15 years that he's uh, been in charge. I mean, I would praise Cody for a uh, Well, I would praise Cody and Jim Gavin for a million things. But if you've got 25 really, really good players, it would be kind of silly to not use the five substitutes you have. Um, you know, they're brilliant in a load of other ways. Play, deciding to give... Henry Shefflin a run out. Yeah, like, it's not exactly reinventing the wheel. We've got an Irish Times Second Captain's Football podcast coming out today. 
That's yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I want to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. So it, it often is the case that at this time of the season there isn't a whole lot going on. Mm-hmm. But not this year. Oh, but people <laughs> should listen to the football program anyway, Ken. Well, because. Uh, I mean, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to turn the focus back a hundred years into the past. <laughs> okay. For part of part of the program. And uh, okay, we're also going to turn the focus back about twelve hours in the past to uh, Celtic in the Champions League. A hundred years, though. What's the hundred years? Um, World War One. Yeah, no, it is actually. How did you? Well, I've just been watching a lot of documentaries. You know, apparently the. Uh, mm. Go on, on. Well, I mean, there's there's an argument to be made that. That's the forgotten war when it comes to mm. Irish soldiers, that maybe yeah. they haven't quite got the respect they've deserved. I, I know it's probably a little late, right, but I've got an idea Go for on. an RT documentary, right? <laughs> Go on. Ah, no, forget it. You're, you're probably, no. Well, it's just that, you know, there's probably a lot of people, you know, who had relatives who fought in World War One, you know? And maybe maybe we could send a few of them back to, to Belgium, maybe. Ah, it's probably a stupid idea. <laughs> Again. Uh, we won't be talking about any Irish... Um, really anything to do with Ireland in this particular thing. Sounds good though, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Genuinely intrigued. Monaghan <laughs> arrive in Croke Park and Saturday in the back of their extra time win against Kildare last week, which they managed despite our next guest kicking two goals and a point against them. Emmett Bolton joins us now. Emmett, good to talk to you. Thanks very much for chatting. Darrow Shea was talking in his column this week about playing football at this time of year in the Championship, how desperate you are to just keep it going before going back to normal life, really. How have you been this week? Um, yeah, obviously... Looking back and reflecting on the weekend, it's obviously um, it's extremely disappointing. Um, you know, I think the game was there for us to win. Um, we, had a, we had numerous chances to do so. Um, you know, I think the big thing to take away from it, um, you know, from our point of view and then probably from an individual point of view, is that you know, over the last couple of years we haven't been able to shut out games like that. And you know, the big thing trying to move forward is to, is to look ahead and see how we can do, how we can look forward to do that because. Um, you know, a lot of us are getting on. A lot of us are coming towards the end of our careers, and you know, it seems to be the big thing that we're not able to shut out games. Um, which you know, you have to take a lot of positives out as well. We had about five or six lads there that made the first year championship debut, so you know that experience has stand to them extremely well. But you know, looking back and reflecting on the game, it's obviously extremely disappointing. We went in with a with a game plan. I thought we executed it fairly well. Um, you know, we got our matchups right, and we kept our main men as as quiet as we, as we could. Um, but you know, just just things didn't go our way. We had a couple of chances to win it, and and we didn't take them. And then you know, when you kick a point with ten seconds to go, normal time, you expect to win a game. And you know, just as I was saying there, we didn't close it out. And fortunately, Monaghan went on, and you know, all credit to them um, to win the game in extra time. But you know, obviously disappointed. But um, we'll go back to the clubs now next week, and and um, we'll seek to head down with them. We've been talking to Andrew McLaughlin, your former teammate, about just trying to get to the bottom, really, of why Kildare haven't been able to close those games out in, um, under previous management and now this time, just when it, I suppose when it really comes to the crunch. I don't know, is there a sense that maybe you guys have to be a bit more uh, a cynical or streetwise or all these euphemisms used, but maybe you have to just, um, I don't know, be uh, more like that? Yeah, um, you were speaking to the right man there about cynicism. <laughs> 
cut the head off you in two seconds be it during a warm up or during a match. So, um, but yeah, no, look, 100% agree. Um, you know, probably at times there, you know, you have a chance to block a run, you have a chance to give away a free out the pitch. You know, I can't remember the exact play when when they got their last when Manning got their last kick out at normal time, but I'm, I'm sure there were numerous chances um, to I wouldn't say pull a man down, but to to be cynical um, and to slow them up and to, and to stop them coming up the field. But, you know, unfortunately we didn't. And, you know, it probably proved to our detriment as well against Throne in the league this year. And, you know, probably if we'd won that game, we would have stayed up, um, you know, to kick 2-1 or whatever it was in the last minute. Um, so it's, it's things like that. We, we really need to learn from them. We need to learn from the big time. Or, you know, if, if we keep along the road we're going, we won't beat these big teams. We won't close out these games. So it is something that we're going to have to look at because I think a lot of our game... Other than that, is extremely good at the minute. Um, you know, we have young players coming through, and, and you know, they're extremely good. And you know, our forward play has improved as well. So, you know, couple that with everything else, I think you know, if, if we can improve on that, we'll have a very good chance going forward. Every player wants to make an impact on a championship game. Emmett, you scored a couple of goals, including maybe the best goal of the season, and got a black card. A pretty dramatic day for you personally. Um, yeah, sorry, playing one of my better games with Kildare. Um, but you know, for a good buddy of mine from Kerry, rang me. And said, um, told me I was playing the game in my life, and you know, I was playing that well, I might have made the carry panel. <laughs> so, <laughs> fairly, you back down to earth fairly quick, but yeah, oh, that look, was nice. That was nice of him. Nice of him, yeah, fair play. But, um, no, look, it was, look, it was, it was just lucky enough to be in the right position at the right time, and um, you know, and obviously with the black card, it was very disappointing. Um, you looked you know, stunned, look, you, you really looked like I, I don't know, I, I, it's hard to read a guy's mind, but you looked absolutely stunned when it happened. I was yeah, I was fairly disappointed now. Um, you know, obviously when you're involved in something like that you think you you obviously think, Look, I, I didn't foul him, I didn't I didn't put my arms on I didn't but you know, looking back on it and reflecting on it, it you know, to be fair, um it did look like a dragon down. Technically it was a black card, you know. Dave was one of the best referees in the country, so he had to do his job. Technically it looked like a black card, so you know, you can have no complaints, there's no point in crying about it, so just have to move on, what's done is done, but you know, obviously, you know when you when you train so hard for so long, you, you obviously want to play a full part in, in a game like that, and especially if you're if you're having any bit of an impact in the game, it was obviously very disappointing. But you know, to be fair, to Owen Doyle, he's been injured for the majority of the year, and he came in and he did extremely well. He set Amy Callahan up for his goal chance, and he made a couple of big hits around the middle. He's very physical, so. You know, he stepped in there fairly well and um, you know, and did, and did a very good job for us. Yeah, it's funny. Some black cards, when people talk about trying to stamp out cynical play or whatever, I mean, some black cards are so obvious that a guy is running after another guy and is just ready to take him down, whereas yours looked a bit more instinctive in that there was barely even a split second. You lost the ball, Goggley got on it, and suddenly the, the foul had happened. Yeah, it's just I remember running down the pitch and I was waiting for a run inside and... Um, you know, he was just about to make the run. And I said, "I'm going to have to solo this now. Or I'm going to overcarry." And probably the worst solo you wouldn't see in an under tens match went up over my head, and, and Golligly caught it and just ran into me, and, I, and both of us hit the ground. So, you know, it was just the manner of it and where it was in the pitch and the direction that he was going as well. It was, as you said, it was more instinctive than anything else. But look, rules are rules. Technically, it was a black card. And, from that respect, I can have no complaints, you know, but, you know, it's very, very disappointing, you know, just the timing of the game, and it was only a couple of minutes after half-time. Um, look, I have to learn from that myself, and, you know, and I'll get over that and bring it into next year. First goal, was that instinctive as well? Or you had a bit more time to think about it, but did you think straight away, I'm going to stick this in the top corner? Um, I wouldn't be known for me uh, goals. It was, just, it was more of aim for the top corner, aim for the crossbar. I remember Kieran McGee telling me, 
Look, you always get to the end line anytime you get a chance. If, if you think there's anyone in the way, just aim for the crossbar. It's either going to go over, it's going to go in. So, you know, I've had plenty of them in my time that have gone over the bar. So, it's just, you know, I was very fortunate that went in. And and to be fair, Dallin Smithy won a fantastic ball in the air and, and then checked his man and gave a great ball in. So, you know, look, lucky enough, I was in the position for it to go in and, you know, it, it gave us a bit of a foothold in the game. Um, but look, that's, that's football, you know, disappointing result, but, but we'll move on. You've obviously got a good insight into Monaghan against Dublin this weekend, particularly having played Monaghan so recently. The general sense is that they're going to struggle. Um, you know, They were almost out in their feet by the time they got struggled through against you guys and now they've got Dublin this weekend. Would you see anything, any other interpretation of it? Um, it's kind of hard to see otherwise on paper. Um, and from looking at Dublin so far this season, um, you know, the, especially the way Dublin played, they, they probably moved us, moved a good bit quicker than we did. Um, you know, we probably thought that you know, trying to beat their blanket defence, we moved as quick as we can, but we got very laboured at times, moved it across the middle. But I think any time that we did get it across and in over their blanket defences, they were coming back and their sweeper that you know we did cause them damage. Um, you know, Dublin are the best team in the country doing that at the minute. They bring their line of four back behind the 65 and then break a pace and sometimes Johnny Cooper and other lads like that join in so you have five or six lads at one time running towards you so they're very 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 hard to stop and then when you have the calibre of forwards in there like Bernard Brogue and Ken McMenamin and Alan Brogue and you know Paul Flynn Dermot McConnelly lads like that you know you're going to have to get your matchups right you know one lad doesn't play well you're going to have two or three other lads that are going to stand up and you know probably kick three or four points a game so you know, if if Monaghan can get their matchups right, if they can maybe drop a lad or two back, um, you know, they they have a chance. Um, but you know, from from playing Dublin and you know from seeing how hard they work, you know, when you have your marquee forward chasing a lad down sixty yards to try and dispossess him, you know, it's very very impressive. So with Monaghan, they're, they're up against it, but um, it's it's hard to know whether you play a very very defensive role or or what way you do. But um, on paper, it does it does look like Dublin by a few, but. You know, it just depends on what the Dublin team turn up. Yeah, it looked like Monaghan kind of had a bit of difficulty adjusting their defensive system from Clonus to Crow Park. Is that how it felt to you on the pitch? Yeah, I think we I think we worked them well. We brought it down the wing and, and they tend to, to gather in clusters, maybe three and four, um, to try and dispossess you, which means you've you've obviously a free man in the middle and around the far side. So I thought we shifted and moved it well um, at times. And obviously the Crow Park being the bigger pitch, you have more room to, to switch play either by a direct ball straight across or going in the middle and then back across so you know I thought we did we did that extremely well um you know and obviously it paid more dividends for us on on a bigger pitch um so that's something that they're they're definitely going to have to look at and Dublin are extremely good at that so you know I I think they'll probably pack it a bit more and they'll probably keep Dublin Dublin are very good at going centrally down the middle so if you can stop the runners like Flynn McCauley and Jack McCaffrey coming down the middle, I think I think they do have a bit of a chance, yeah. Okay, well, listen, commiserations on the defeat, but congratulations on scoring maybe the goal of the season. Thanks very much for talking to us. Thanks a million. Thanks, lads. Thank you. It's nice to hear players accept decisions against them, like yeah. that black card, which, I mean, as I said there, it was instinctive. I mean, it was a black card, but I don't know if it was the type of... Is that the, a really egregious one that, that, that yeah. Ross Clancy against Aidan O'Shea in yeah. the Cork Mayo game on Sunday? Or the Sean Kavanagh one that everyone was banging on about last year. The, the type of fouls that were it was really brought in to stop, but then it did still fall within the remit of yeah. uh, of the rules, so he has to go. Yeah, and you know, you would probably, would probably hear a lot of players saying, well, you know, maybe you're asking for a little bit of common sense there from the referee, uh, because it's not like it's a cynical denying of a goal-scoring or point-scoring opportunity or anything like that, but... I mean, it was a black card. Emmett said it himself. 
and it's just the sort of thing that you kind of have to wear, unfortunately. It's also nice of Emmett's Kerry friend to impart really some nice. dry Kerry wit the week mm. after a big championship defeat. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but that's a, that's, a fr- that's a friendship ender for me right there. I yeah. mean, you know, first of all, it's kind of, it's a little callous. But then also it's like the worst stereotype of your own county that you're knocking Emmett over the head with as well. I mean, I, I, you know, I would, I would advise Emmett to end that friendship. We're going to wrap things up, Murph, but I did see you chuckling away there earlier on. You had the newspaper right up above your nose. I just saw the arms heaving. What were you reading? <laughs> was it, it must have been the Shane Lowry column, was it? Well, I, the Shane Lowry column in the Irish Times uh, today, playing in Valhalla. Uh, second, he hasn't played, he's, he's only playing majors now. Uh, last two comp- uh, tournaments he's played in, both majors. Uh, and uh, that's in today's Irish Times. He listens to the show. Murph, do you want to ask him to be your friend? Well, I'm not going to categorise what me and Shane have at the moment as a friendship as such. It's more just two guys who really respect each other's work. <laughs> so, And he's away a lot. It's hard to form a, a, a friendship in the strict sense of the word. You know, he's Completely, completely. You know, I mean, it, for now, you know, we're just we're just two people who admire each other. You can check that out. <laughs> check that out on irishtimes.com. You can also check out any of the podcasts on irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Second Captains, Facebook.com forward slash Second Captains, and you can email secondcaptains at irishtimes.com. Thanks very much, Ken. Thanks, Owen. Thanks very much, Thanks, Kieran. Owen. Thanks, Thanks Kieran. Kieran. And uh, apologies to Shane Larry for Murph's um, slightly creepiness. <laughs> slight creepiness there. We'll chat to you again soon. Take care. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. 